BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the Bood Broadcast, formerly known as the Bad Broadcast. But when it's October, we are the Bood Broadcast, and today is our finale. It is our Halloween extravaganza, and it happens to fall directly on Halloween. Never had that happen before. Never had a never had an episode come out on Halloween. And then I was like, that's crazy. It's the finale, and it happens to be on Halloween. And then I thought about it. And I was like, well, obviously, if it's Halloween, it would be the finale because it's the last day of the month. So it's really not that cool, but it feels exciting to me. I am still a little bit congested. Not great. I feel good. My energy is up, but yeah, I still don't sound 100%. So sorry about that. Anyway, let's get into our schedule for the day, shall we? I have several segments to share with you guys. First up, we're going to talk about the history of Halloween. And it's not going to be boring. It's going to be cool because learning is cool. And I'm going to tell you guys all about where some of the weird traditions of Halloween come from. Then we have some listener submitted stories. And then if we have time, which we probably will, I will tell you guys my favorite things about Halloween, my favorite movies, favorite treats, traditions, vibes, you get it. I have always loved Halloween. I think it's probably because my birthday is in October. So I've always been really excited about October stuff. You guys are like, yeah, shut up about your birthday. We get it. But yeah, I've always loved Halloween, but I don't like being scared. So I like I like the like little kid version of Halloween, the Disney version, the not so scary Mickey's Halloween party version of the holiday. You know what I mean? So let's talk about where the holiday came from to begin with. The Halloween holiday has its roots in the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which is spelled Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's Celtic. So it's said Samhain. The pagan religious celebration welcomes the harvest at the end of summer when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated, I can't believe there's a pope named Gregory, Pope Greg. That's crazy. Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor saints. Soon after, All Saints Day came to incorporate some of the traditions of Samhain. The evening before All Saints Day was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. Here's a look at the origins of some of the classic traditions we know today, such as carving jack-o'-lanterns. The tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland using turnips instead of pumpkins. I read that and I was like, I don't think I could pick a turnip out of a lineup. I think if I saw one, I would not know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it tastes like. What couldn't, couldn't tell you. It is allegedly based on a legend about a man named Stingy Jack. 
stingy Jack that, that doesn't roll off the tongue at all, who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. But when Jack died, he learned that heaven did not want his soul either. Bummer. So he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lamp of coal or lump of coal in his carved out turnip to light the way. Locals eventually began carving scary faces into their own turnips to frighten away evil spirits. Another tradition that was started to keep spirits away was wearing scary costumes. In order to avoid being terrorized by all the evil spirits walking the earth during Samhain, the Celts donned disguises so they would not be mistaken for spirits themselves and they would be left alone. I don't want to criticize any ancient traditions, but it does seem like if you are wanting to not come across like a spirit, you should not dress up like something scary. You should dress up as something funny so that they don't get confused, you know? All right, let's talk about trick-or-treating. The best, the best, okay, that was bold. That was bold. I got a little ahead of myself. I was going to say the best holiday tradition ever. I don't know about that, but trick-or-treating has got to be up there, and it does make me sad that we age out of it, you know? I like to hack the system, and I take my nieces and nephews, and I pretend it's for them, but it's for me. Okay, let's talk about the origins of trick-or-treating. There's much debate around the origins of trick-or-treating, but generally there are three theories. The first theory suggests that during Samhain, Celtic people would leave food out to appease the spirits traveling the earth at night. Over time, people began to dress as these unearthly beings in exchange for similar offerings of food and drink. See, this is where you get confused because people are dressing up like ghosts so that people think they're ghosts. And then in the earlier one, they dress up as ghosts so they are not mistaken for ghosts, which makes no sense. By the way, I'm reading all of this off of the librarycongress.gov. So seems legit. All right. The second theory speculates that the candy boon, I don't know what that, I don't know what that word means, stems from the Scottish practice of guising, which is a secular version of souling. During the Middle Ages, generally children and poor adults would collect food and money from local homes in return for prayers for the dead on All Souls Day. Geysers dropped the prayers in order or in favor of non-religious practices with the inclusion of songs, jokes, and other tricks. Also, that is why some religions don't celebrate Halloween because it used to be a religious, it has religious roots. It's got pagan religious roots. So some people don't celebrate it. A third theory argues that modern American trick-or-treating stems from bell snickling. Yes. Office fans, Bell's Nickel is real. A German-American Christmas tradition where children would dress in costume and then call on their neighbors to see if the adults could guess the identities of the disguised. In one version of the practice, the children were rewarded with food or other treats if no one could identify them. Fun. Also, I I haven't gotten it yet, but you guys will be hearing this on Halloween. So I'm hoping that my Halloween costume turned out, panned out, if it hasn't, then I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do about this part of the episode. But if it did work out, I'm so excited about it. I've never been this excited about a Halloween costume. I know you guys are going to freak out and it's probably on my Instagram by now. Okay, let's talk about bobbing for apples, which nobody actually does. I've never been to a Halloween party that actually included bobbing for apples, but I'll go with it. The game of bobbing for apples has been a staple at Halloween parties for many years but its origins are are more rooted in love and romance. The game traces back to a courting ritual that was part of a Roman festival honoring Pomona, the goddess of agriculture and abundance. While multiple versions existed, the gist was that young men and women would be able to predict their future relationships based on the game. 
When the Romans conquered the British Isles in 43 AD, the Pomona Festival blended with the similarly timed Samhain, a precursor to Halloween. And while we're talking about things that are associated with Halloween, but nobody actually likes, let's talk candy corn. A candy maker at the Wondery Candy Company in Philadelphia is sometimes credited with inventing the tri-colored candy in the 1880s. But candy corn did not become a widespread sensation until the, oh, I don't know this word, Golitz Company brought the candy to the masses in 1898. Candy corn was originally called chicken feed and it sold in boxes with the slogan, something worth crowing for. Initially, it was just an autumnal candy because of corn's association with harvest time. But candy corn later became Halloween specific when trick-or-treating grew in popularity in the U.S. during the 1950s. And yes, I'm hating on candy corn. Will I eat it? Absolutely. Do I enjoy it? Not really. Not really. Weird texture, bad flavor. I'll eat it till I'm sick though. Okay. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit about the holiday that we're celebrating at this current moment. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Element. Element has become my go-to when it comes to hydration. When I know that I'm either drinking too much caffeine, I'm not sleeping enough, not drinking enough water, I like to get a little boost on my electrolytes. It's very, very important to make sure that you're getting enough electrolytes and replenishing them when they are lost. You can lose them when you're having a few glasses of wine, when you're working out, or when you just have an active day. You need to make sure that you're staying hydrated. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt and no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, which is 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. Got to take care of all of those. When you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. Athletes can lose up to seven grams per day. So when sodium is not replaced, it's common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue. Element is used by everyone from the NBA, NFL, NHL players, Olympic athletes, Navy SEALs, along with just regular people like me and you. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash badbroadcast. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash badbroadcast. Element offers no questions asked refunds, so you can try it totally risk-free. You have nothing to lose. If you don't like it, you can share it with a friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash badbroadcast. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Way. There's not many things that I love more than the seasons are changing because it means that I get to up my beauty routine. It means I get to reevaluate, see what my skin and my hair needs, and show everything some love as the weather changes. The number one thing I like to do is make sure that I'm getting my hair care right, because my hair can get a little brittle, a little dry in the winter months. Way has everything you need to keep your hair healthy and looking great all winter long. Plus, they've got amazing gift sets that everyone on your list will love. It is 
the perfect gift. My family does a favorite things exchange every year. Way is always in there. One of their gift sets is the Better Together kit, which comes with the leave-in conditioner and the detox shampoo. The leave-in conditioner helps with frizz, tangles, flyaways, breakage for all hair types. It also is a heat protectant. And then the detox shampoo is a concentrated shampoo that cleanses product buildup, hard water deposits, dirt, oil, and other impurities. With the Better Together kit, you can get the full-size leave-in conditioner and a full-size detox shampoo for just $40. Perfect for gifting or for trying yourself. If you can't get enough, there's also the three-way kit because let's face it, three ways are better than one. This kit features best-selling travel size detox shampoo, leave-in conditioner, and wave spray to treat, hydrate, and style your hair. So discover all the ways to share joy this holiday season. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use the code BAD to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code BAD. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But let's get into the spooky stories. The reason you guys are all here. Let's start off by talking about two creepy children. One night, my kids and I were sleeping over at my mom's house. Me, my mom, and my 18-month-old girl were sleeping in the same room. About three, At about 3 a.m., my mom and I woke up to my daughter singing a very angelic and kind of creepy song. We both sat straight up, looked at each other, and wondered what in the world we were hearing. This song was something you would hear angels singing. I ran over to her crib, literally thinking that she was dying and ascending into heaven, only to find her sound asleep. The crazy part about the song, neither me nor my mom had ever heard it, but it had a chorus that she kept repeating. Mind you, she is still sound asleep and she's a baby who never sings and there was no way this tune would ever come out of her while awake. To this day, my mom and I tell this story of that creepy night. It also doesn't help that she is my creepiest child. I need to send you a pic. Makes this story 10 times worse. When I first read this, I was like, she was singing while asleep. I was like, she's like, is it like a ventriloquist situation? Like, how do you know it's coming from her? And then I realized she was like sleep singing. I don't know why my mind went straight to ventriloquy, but it does sound like everybody has a haunted child. And that makes me very, very nervous. But let's talk about another, another haunted child. My daughter was very aware of paranormal things when she was younger. When she was about three, my little family lived with my parents while we were trying to save enough to get a place of our own. We had a room on the main floor and most of the the things that happened happened on that main floor. Once in the midst of potty training, my daughter had an accident and needed to be changed. I sent her into our room to go pick out some new clothes while I finished cleaning up the accidental mess and she happily agreed. She walks into our room and not five seconds later, she comes running out in the panicked way toddlers do when they are scared to death tears streaming down her face as she lets loose the most terrified screams I had ever heard in my life. Startled, I tried to calm her so I could understand what she was screaming, and she says, the scary man in the closet tried to take me away. I freak out, call for my brother, who's the last sibling at home, and have him take my daughter out front to wait for me while I check what's going on. 
I go in with a baseball bat, bat ready to take this guy out. See, this is what I would do. I feel like I would confront it. A lot of a lot of stories are, I mean, it's kind of 50-50. Some people, they hear a noise and they go find it. Some people hear a noise and they stay put. I feel like I would have to go find it. Not because I'm brave, just because I'm curious to the point of where it could probably kill me at some point. Let's go on. I go in with the baseball bat ready to take this guy out only to discover the closet is free of any scary men. There's no one in there and nowhere for a person to hide. I watched the door the entire time so no one could have escaped that way and the window was shut and still locked so no one could have left that way. It was spooky as hell and my daughter refused to go back into that room for a few days because she was so afraid of the scary man. Another time, my parents, brother, husband, daughter, and I were all sitting around the dinner table that was placed in a way that you could see into the living room and my daughter kept looking over by the fireplace. When I caught her staring there for fourth or fifth time, I asked her what she was looking at. She pointed towards the fireplace and said, that bad guy. My parents laughed it off, but I was shook. We moved out after a few more incidents of my daughter talking about bad guys being all around. My parents lived there for 15 years and never had any major incidents or problems, but I was pretty happy to move away, especially since my daughter never had anything like that happen in the new home we ended up buying. What's going on with the little kids? What's going on? Why are they haunted? Why are they creepy? What do they know? What do they know? I tried to look it up, like if there was any scientific evidence. Basically, there's not. I don't know why I thought I would find like an answer as to why little kids see ghosts and scary men more often than adults. So Google was absolutely no help. But it does seem like you guys have pretty creepy children. Okay, next one. I think I've been too calm about this story. I need more people to hear it so everyone can know how crazy it is. About a year ago, me and two girlfriends went up to my friend's cabin for a weekend trip. Mistake number one. Okay, stop. I I highly advise all of you to stop going into the wilderness alone or just with your girlfriends. Please, for the for my for my anxiety, for my developing ulcers, please stop going into nature. There's a couple more stories later on where you guys will for sure be talked out of ever going outside. Also, she goes on, the cabin wasn't actually finished, so we stayed in an RV parked right out front. Strike two. One of my friends slept on the couch at the front of the RV, and my other friend and I slept in the bed in the back of the RV. Me and my friend were about to fall asleep when we felt the RV shaking. This wasn't like a slight shake by the wind, but the whole RV was moving. Me and my friend were dead silent and dead still. It was that kind of frozen silence when you're so scared you don't know what to do. We sat in silence laying right by each other for probably 15 minutes as the RV was violently shaking. We were too scared to even communicate with each other. I think all we did was squeeze each other's hands to make sure we were both aware of what was going on. When the RV finally stopped shaking, we whispered to each other that maybe it was just the wind and we were overreacting. But that's when we saw headlights and heard a vehicle pulling out behind the RV and driving away. My heart sank. It had to have been someone shaking the RV. It was so late at night and the car wasn't just driving by. It was pulling out from behind us. Also, it gets worse. After finally falling asleep in fear, we wake up the next morning and told our friend about what happened. She fell asleep before us, so she didn't even know. We decided to just go home early and not stay another night, just in case. When we went to get the car to drive home, the back tires were slashed. We had driven the Razor around while being there, so we hadn't even driven the car since we got to the cabin, and we would have realized if the tires were blown on the drive there. So yeah, this really happened, and I was almost really murdered. I could be overreacting, but so many things are too odd for me to just be imagining them. Was someone trying to get us to come out of the RV to see why it was shaking so that they could murder us and slash the tires so we couldn't get away? Or was it wind? Let me know. 
I have to say that that was definitely a person, which again, I've stated before, is way scarier than a ghost. It doesn't seem like it could be anything else. No more outings. No more outings for you guys. You guys are all banned from doing anything that does not have some serious safety precautions. I'm calling it. You guys are banned. Okay, next one. There is no way I can adequately express how truly odd this experience was. If I had been alone, I'd say that I'd somehow imagined it, but I was with my younger sister, who is an avid listener, hoping this gets picked just so I can surprise her. Hello. Hello, sister. And she saw it too. Definitely one of the first things I'm asking about when I die. So I grew up in Florida and my family and I were driving home from somewhere at night. We were in two cars. So my dad and someone else, I think my brother, were in the car in front of us and I was driving the car with my younger sister behind them. The way home was on a small two-lane road that is pretty wooded, not much around except that it went past my high school. So we're driving home, no big deal, but all of a sudden the streetlights go out. This is Florida and there are storms and power outages all the time, so we didn't really think anything of it. It wasn't stormy at the time, but it wasn't anything too weird. Then as we drove past my high school, both my sister and I see a giant mushroom cloud. Yes, a mushroom cloud, like an explosion coming from the center of my high school. And it wasn't just a normal cloud that looked like a mushroom cloud. Something was happening in there, right in the center of the school. It gave me the creepiest feeling, especially since it had happened right after all the lights went out. There was no loud sound or bang or anything, so we didn't know what was happening. Did someone bomb the school? Are aliens landing? We rush home, fully expecting my dad and brother to have seen the same thing. We tell them about what happened, and they said they didn't see anything. The streetlights never went out. Nothing. They were like two car lengths in front of us, not far. I waited up to watch the news, fully expecting to see reports of some incident at the school. This was before Google, so I couldn't just look it up. The next day I went to school and the place was absolutely fine. Like I said, if I were alone, I'd be able to convince myself I'd imagined it all, but my sister saw the same thing. We've talked about it many times and we are both still mind blown. Felt like we were in a parallel universe. Cannot explain it. Never will. Not to point out the obvious, but it does sound like a plot point in Stranger Things. Does it not? Does it not sound like you were part of the upside down? Also, speaking of stranger things, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it feels like I just want to rage about this. I posted something on my Instagram a couple days ago about this podcast. These two guys, I don't even know what it's called, but they do like fantasy drafts, which is what every podcast that's hosted by two men does these days. Fantasy drafts. There's like the dog walk podcast, all fantasy, everything. This one that I'm talking about. There's so many. So these two guys, they're brothers. They did a best TV show draft. And I have to publicly speak on how bad these choices were. First of all, one of their first picks was Entourage. The next pick was How I Met Your Mother. Then it was, I can't remember what the next one was, but it was New Girl was on there and then Stranger Things, which don't get me wrong. Stranger Things is pretty good. I I enjoy it. Would I put it on the top five best TV shows of all time? Absolutely not. Also, I have to say, unpopular opinion coming from me right now. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry in advance. I know I'm about to lose so many of your trust, so so many of your guys' trust. I don't think New Girl is good or funny. I, I'm so sorry. I respect people who like it. I feel like it was really funny when it came out. So if you've been watching from the beginning, it's still funny for you. And it's probably, I, I think it's a lot of people's comfort show. I can't stand it. This is such a risk. This is a big risk telling you guys this. But like Schmidt humor does, doesn't, doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't get me there. 
it doesn't. I'm I'm really, really sorry. Anyway, a lot of you guys asked me after I posted these lists what I would draft as the best TV shows of all time, because it's not going off of your favorite TV shows. That would be pointless to draft. That's way too subjective. You have to go off what is the best TV show of all time. Because if you think about like a regular draft, like a professional sports draft, you don't do it based off off of subjective things. I mean, I guess sometimes they can affect it, but you draft people based on objective truth, like stats. So if I were to draft the five best TV shows of all time, the first one, I would probably draft Breaking Bad first, then The Wire, which I don't like, but I know that it's widely regarded as one of the best TV shows. Then probably something like The Sopranos, something really, really famous and, you know, iconic. Next, I would do, uh, I would maybe do like Game of Thrones. I mean, seasons one through seven. I don't like season eight, but it is one of the best TV shows of all time. And then I might throw a wild card in there. And this one is subjective to me because I do love it, but I also think it's incredible. I'd put Succession on there. Anyway, these Jamokes put the worst choices up there every time I watch one of their drafts. They also do like candy drafts. I don't know. I just, I enjoy a good list. I enjoy a good ranking, but it's every single podcast. So anyway, there's my rant that obviously applies to this episode a lot. But I just, I had to get it off my chest. Okay, uh, next one. When I was in high school, I loved getting spooked. You're one of them. You're one of those weirdos. Whatever. One day, my friend told me about a haunted video that was put on YouTube. Apparently, people who watched the whole video would gouge their eyes out. Legend has it that YouTube took down the full video and put up a shortened version of it. Naturally, we wanted to see what it was all about. We were watching it, and the whole thing is just a guy sitting there with red lighting. Right before the video ended, we thought he made a face or something really quickly, and we wanted to go back and see what happened. So we went back a few seconds to watch the ending again. Well, after a lot longer than a few seconds, the video was still going and we were like, wait, wasn't this supposed to end? When we clicked on the video to see how much time was left, we saw that both times, the one that says how much time you've been watching and the one that says how long you've got left, were both counting up. So instead of ending at two minutes, it kept going. Obviously, we freaked out and turned it off as quickly as we could. To this day, I believe that we would have been eyeless if we continued to watch the video. High schoolers love being scared. They love being scared. I remember that we would use Peter. I think it's Peter answers. I don't know. I don't know if that's what it's called. It sounds really not threatening as I say it now. Peter answers, but where it's this website that basically is like Peter answers. It's supposed to be some haunted ghost. Like you hit a button and then you type what you're wanting to say, but it comes up on the screen as something else. So people can't tell what you're typing. So we would always do it in high school and try and scare ourselves and try and scare other people. It was so it was so dumb. Why high schoolers are into this, I will never know. I'm convinced it's because everybody's all horny and they just want to scare themselves so they have an excuse to like hug and kiss. Am I wrong? Was that only me? Okay, let's go on to the next one. I grew up in a house built right next to a local cemetery. My mom had seen the spirit of a little girl in our house and told me about it when I was around 12 years old. The rest of my teenage years, this ghost haunted me, moving my possessions, changing TV channels to shows that were not even airing at the time, closing cupboards, touching my feet while I was trying to sleep and telling my brothers to shut up, etc. (laughs) I wish I had a ghost that told my brothers to shut up. When my family moved out of that house, the spook seemed to follow me. When I was in my early 20s, I lived with my lifelong best friend in the cutest townhome. The person that lived in the townhouse before us told us that the place was haunted. My friend was not about ghosts. They seriously scared her to no end. 
but I was quite used to them at this point. My friend wouldn't really talk about it. One week, every night, I had a dream that gave me the creeps. It wasn't the same dream, but all of them felt super creepy. The night it happened, I dreamt that I was choking. The act of choking in my dream was waking me up in real life because I felt like I couldn't breathe. As I moved closer and closer to consciousness, I realized I was hearing a horrible wailing noise, wailing like what women do when they're upset and crying but trying to talk at the same time. My brain attributed it to me. I thought the noise was coming from me. It made sense. I mean, I was dreaming that I was dying. By the time I was fully conscious and positive I was no longer dreaming, I sat upright in my bed, wide-eyed and unable to move. The wailing continued and it was right outside my bedroom door. My blood ran cold. I was just paralyzed by whatever force was keeping me silent and motionless. So I sat there listening to the wailing until it eventually ceased and I was released from my invisible shackles. I wanted to make sure my roommate was okay and that nobody was in our house. So I grabbed my massive hydro flask from my dresser and lifted it above my head like a club and cracked my bedroom door open. There was nobody in the house. My roommate was fast asleep and everything was fine. I still don't know what happened to that mystery woman, but she was clearly very upset. I hope she's doing okay in whatever realm she exists in. See, this is my kind of girl. Grab your hydro flask and get out there. And like, if it's going to kill me, I would rather know what it was that killed me than die unknowingly, you know, or not die unknown, die in the unknown. You know what I mean? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by First Person. Brain health, like our physical health, is a daily challenge and lifelong commitment. You don't just work out once and expect to be physically fit. When it comes to your brain, making those daily lifestyle choices can help your overall brain and cognitive health. Taking that first step towards better cognition and improved brain health is easy with first person. After witnessing the deteriorating effects Alzheimer's had on their father and grandfather's cognitive health, brothers Chris and Joe were determined to take their brain health into their own hands. After 25 years of dedicated research in cognitive health and wellness, Chris and Joe worked with industry-leading doctors and scientists to create First Person. First Person is a targeted brain supplement system which uses the brain-boosting power of mushrooms to activate the full potential of human cognition and brain health. First Person uses 100% grain-free organic mushrooms as well as a highly curated blend of nutraceuticals sourced from the best-in-class vendors. I take all three of their supplements every single day. Their Sunbeam capsule I take first thing in the morning. It works on dopamine. They've got their Golden Hour supplement, which works on oxytocin. And then I take their Moonlight before bed, which supports GABA activity, promoting relaxation and rest. So start improving your brain health and cognition with First Person. Get 15% off your first order by going to getfirstperson.com and using the code BAD, B-A-D. That's G-E-T-F-I-R-S-T-P-E-R-S-O-N.com, code BAD for 15% off of your first order. Again, that's getfirstperson.com, code BAD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, guys. My name is Sarah Nicole, and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom, all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays. Subscribe, rate and review it, and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the birds with Maya on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. 
All right. This next story, if this doesn't doesn't talk you out of going outside literally ever again, I don't know what will. Also, in the middle of these stories, I took a pause to eat some fruit snacks and one of my tooth came, teeth came out, just popped right out. Uh, so that was weird and also kind of scary. You guys know that I think teeth are kind of creepy. And then get this. So I called the dentist. and I'm like, hey, one of my teeth just popped out. It wasn't my whole tooth. It was like the it was like a full crown that went around my whole tooth. So it all came off. And so I just went to the dentist and I laid down and the Stranger Things theme song was playing on repeat in the dentist office. That's so weird, right? Let's go on to this one. This one isn't necessarily spooky or like haunted at all, but it is really, really scary. Okay. Last summer, I visited Glacier National Park with a friend. And by friend, I mean a boy that I'm no longer seeing as a way to say goodbye to summer break. I was born and raised in Montana and he had never been to Glacier, so I was excited to play tour guide. I'm always very apprehensive and careful going to GNP, though, because it's smack dab in the middle of grizzly bear country. I was taught how to act if you encounter a grizzly. The safety measures are be loud, throw things at it, yell, etc. Do not play dead. If you play dead, you'll be dead. Keep 100 yards between you and grizzly bears at all times, preferably way more than that. Do not run. I had a good understanding of it all and felt relatively prepared with a couple cans of bear spray. Although I'm not sure how well those would work if an adult grizzly wanted to eat you. Pretty sure they would just take their food a little bit spicy. They are the most impressive predator, in my opinion. I had heard stories about people being mauled by grizzlies and living to tell the tale and some that didn't live to tell the tale. I was scared, but I felt comfortable enough to continue on the trip. It was not my first time visiting the park and it wouldn't be the last. We spent the first day driving on the famous Going to the Sun Road and doing a few little hikes here and there. We slept in the car on the top of a mountain pass. The second day, we got an early start and did an, did an insane amount of hiking. It was amazingly beautiful, of course. I hate hiking, and I wasn't even mad when we hiked 12 miles before noon. I told my friend that I was sorry we hadn't seen any wildlife. I was super. It was super odd, and I promised him we would see something eventually. I made good on that promise. After we packed a lunch in our backpacks, we picked a hike up to a waterfall. It was about one mile up and one mile back. Oh, that's my kind of hike. One mile in, one mile out. Preferably a mile round trip, but you know. Near the waterfall, there were two landings. We stopped for a break at the first one before heading to the upper landing that would put us right next to the waterfall. He was hiking ahead of me and I was bringing up the rear with the bear spray. The trail was narrow at this point and it was wet shale rock, which was super slippery. On the east side, it was a big cliff of loose shale pieces and on the west side was a big drop off down to the water below. My friend jokingly points behind me and says, hey, there's something behind you. I give him a charity laugh and I turn around only to see a grizzly bear poke his head out of the bushes 15 feet from me. 15 feet, not 100 yards. This bastard makes eye contact with me and starts right for me. My voice was caught in my throat and I couldn't yell. The bear was approaching so fast that I couldn't get my bear spray off my bag and spray him in time. So I had to create some distance. I started running, even though that's not what you're supposed to do, but it's what I had to do to give myself a chance to survive. Running up this slippery, narrow shale trail in massive hiking boots on two hours of sleep and 12 previous hiking miles, empty stomach and no energy. The bear was gaining on me and all I could think is how I was 100% sure I was about to die. I had never experienced that before, genuinely believing I was about to die. Then the thought passed and I thought, what if I don't die, but he does? I would have to call this boy's parents and tell them I got their son in a situation he would never get out of. The thought almost killed me. My friend was already to the second landing and there were other people at the waterfall. 
He yelled to them to warn them. In hindsight, it might have been a dick move to bring the bear to them, but numbers were our only chance of survival. I was just hoping somebody there had bear spray. The bear was so close to me now that I jumped off the trail or the mini cliff to the west and landed in the water. I proceeded to sprint through the water up the waterfall where I finally got my bear spray unhooked from my backpack, the safety device off, and I pointed it at the bear. As I came to the other people, a couple whipped out their camera and filmed me running through the creek for my life. Hate that. The bear stopped, looked at us, and walked off like nothing had happened. It disappeared up over the waterfall. I have not been able to go for big hikes since, and I have nightmares about grizzlies chasing me now more than a year later. How insane is that? How many of you know somebody who was genuinely chased by a grizzly bear? That is one of the, again, not haunted, not anything supernatural, but way, way, way scarier than anything else. That is, that's terrifying. Also, I looked up what to do if you encounter a bear and uh, they all have different answers. One of them said, throw a beach ball at it. Who has a beach ball ready to go on a hike? All blown up. Literally nobody. Okay. Here's another outdoor tale, which again, I hope talks us all out of doing overnight hikes. I like to hike and uh, I would only ever do it during the day. That's why I don't like camping. I don't like being outside at night. I will do a morning hike and that is it. And this, this story confirms that. Okay. Maddie, it does me physical harm to tell you this story. It literally makes me sick to recount now in texts because of how eerie, scary, and close to home this encounter was. My husband and I are big hikers slash backpackers and last minute decided to take to hike a peak in the Salt Lake area in late April. There was still a little bit of snow on the ground when we made it to our campsite area and literally no one else was there. We hadn't seen anyone on the trail for the past seven miles and now that it was dark, we knew nobody was coming down off the mountain either. We decided to head deep into the campsite and find a secluded spot off the snow to set up our tent, get cozy and drink some hot chocolate. Night had fallen and we were in full flashlight mode with no moon or stars. Pitch black. Mid setting up our tent, I heard this noise, almost like a motor of some kind. I don't know if you've ever heard a noise, frequency, or tone that reverberates so perfectly on your eardrum that the entire sound seems to fill your mind and body and soul, but this sound had the most perfect frequency that it felt like my heart was beating in my ears. I looked at my husband and I was like, oh, what was that? And he thought it must have been some massive drone or something. My immediate response was a serial killer in the woods with a sonar radar looking for hot, warm bodies to kill. Does that even exist? Is that a thing that anyone could ever do? Straight to 100 for me, but I calmed down and kept setting the campsite up. Also, I will say that is somewhere that my mind would go, that it was like a, it was a sonar coming to find me. The sound did not stop every five to 10 minutes, nothing consistent, though this sound echoed throughout the campsite. So spooky, I couldn't even tell what it was. Around two in the morning, I woke to the sound literally outside our tent. My husband grabs me and pulls me right into his arms and we distinctly hear the sound of a beating drum outside of our tent mixed with a bloody murder scream. After about 10 bangs, the sound is gone and five minutes later, we hear it in the distance again. I don't know why we didn't leave at this point. It felt way safer to be in the tent than to go out there. We wake up the next morning. The sound never got close again, but as we made breakfast, you could still hear it every so often. This deep drumming. We had three miles to the top of the mountain and we decided to finish the climb. On our way... What? No, you hear the scary noise and the screams and you go home. Why would you finish the hike? On our way back down, I asked my husband to stop and wait in the campsite with me to see if we could track down where the noise was coming from. We stood for about 10 minutes waiting to hear it, but it never came back. Maddie, the most scarring part that I never should have had the curiosity to look around and find. Hold on. This sentence is confusing. 
we walk through the campsite and a small reminder and a small reminder around most of the campsite there is still snow. Am I reading that sentence weird? We walk through the campsite and a small reminder around most of the campsite there is still snow. I don't know. My husband and I walked the backside of the campsite up the mountain that morning. We hadn't walked the trail in front where we had camped. There were still small snow patches here and there. And as we looked around the snow patch, not even 20 steps from where we had camped, there were three distinct bare footprints in the snow. My heart sank. My husband quickly snapped a picture of what we saw and we ran the rest of the way down the trail. We called and emailed park rangers about our experience. And the worst thing was that this wasn't the first time they had gotten the call. Also, I should clarify that's bear, B-A-R-E, not bear like the animal. I had bears on my mind. I'm going through an editing and I thought that sounds like I'm talking about a bear footprint. No, bear, B-A-R-E. The lady ranger I talked to said she had a similar encounter further up the trail three years ago and how she since then believes something roams much of the Utah mountains and hiking at the turn of a season is a sure time to have an encounter. Needless to say, I am no longer a hiker girl. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I wasn't much of one anyway, but now I have a really, really good excuse. I have firsthand experience of the dangers of literally going outside into the mountains at all. All right, this last listener submitted story has a visual aid that I'm double checking to make sure it's okay if I put it on Instagram, but it is horrifying. If I can't put the photo on Instagram, I will just explain to you guys what it is. Okay, warning, this story is horrifying. It was 2015, my junior year in high school. My family was out of town and I was home alone, just chilling in bed, scrolling through Instagram. Around 12.30 a.m., I got a notification from our security system that read, warning, an intrusion has been detected. I had locked the doors and armed our alarm, but didn't hear anything, so I was a bit confused. Naturally, I checked the cameras throughout our house and saw something. Not exactly sure what it was. A person, a ghost, a demon. I was in shock. You know when you're too scared to even breathe? That was me. I was paralyzed. Once I calmed myself down, I had to find a way out of my house because there was no way I was going upstairs where that demon was. Luckily, I had my car keys in my room. I climbed out of my window, got in my car, and drove to my aunt's house. I didn't think to call the police because I don't think the thing I saw on camera was human. I explained the story to my family who arrived home the next day. They didn't see anything in the house, only the picture that our cameras captured. Fast forward a few days, my family was all home. It was the middle of the night and I was in a deep sleep. I was awoken by a tickle on my face. When I opened my eyes, there was a pale white woman with black stringy hair standing over me. It was the thing I saw in our camera. Her hair was touching my face. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. I couldn't even breathe. When I finally came to, she was gone. I screamed at the top of my lungs and my brother ran into my room. I made him sleep on my floor for days after. To this day, I don't know who or what that thing was, but it wasn't good. I had to go to therapy, get cleanses from members of my church, and I didn't have a restful sleep for a while. I still have night terrors about it to this day. Ghosts are real and I don't care what anyone says. Okay, like I said, I double, I, I'm asking her to see if I could share this photo on Instagram because it is without a doubt one of the scariest things I've ever seen. It's a full person. It's a full person. It's not like, it's not one of those weird like ghost things. It's like a blurred person in the background. No, this is a person. It's clear as day and it is so so, so scary. I'm going to share that on Instagram, hopefully, because if this is real and this is not a prank and it's not an intrusion, it it is the clearest picture ever taken of a demon. <laughs> I'm not joking at all. Okay, let's end on a high note. Let's end on a cheerful note. One person slid into my DMs and requested this. Just one. 
just a single person. And I thought, I live to serve. I will happily, happily do this. So a couple years ago, I remember this was in October of 2020. I did a fall themed dessert ranking. And you can go back and listen to that. I feel like it probably hasn't changed that much. I probably put like pumpkin bread up top, maybe like cinnamon rolls, snickerdoodles. I love all of those. But I thought since today is Halloween, since you are listening to this on Halloween, your kids are probably going to go trick-or-treating tonight, which means you are probably going to raid their candy stash. So I thought I would rank the top five best candies. And then I would tell you the top five worst candies. So let's get into top five best candies. I will say this is controversial. This is controversial. I'm going to stir up a lot of feelings with my rankings. Also, I just want to add before we begin, I'm not talking designer candies. I'm not talking a random chocolate shop in the Swiss Alps where you had the best chocolate bar of your life. I'm talking gas station, wall of candy. It's got to be on there to qualify for my lists. So number five on the top five best. So number five is not bad. It's not bad. It's still in the top five. I'm going to give my number five spot to the classic Reese's. Don't worry. I don't say Reese's. I don't say Reese's PCs. Reese's. Classic. Can't go wrong. I will say I kind of think about Reese's as the original salty sweet combo because I consider peanut butter to be salty. I know some people consider it to be sweet, but it's like when salted caramel came out, maybe I've ranted about this before, but when salted caramel came out, people were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't think to put salt next to something sweet. But I feel like Reese's does that. You can't go wrong. I love them in all their shapes. They have the best seasonal shapes, I think, of any other candy. The trees, the pumpkins. I also love the mini ones. I do love Reese's Pieces. Reese's doesn't have really any variation that I dislike, except their weird pregnant Reese's that has Reese's Pieces inside of it. Makes me feel very weird. Okay, number four. This is the only fruity slash sour candy on my list, but number four, I'm going to give to sour gummy worms. This was very close. It was very close to being overtaken by Sour Patch Watermelons. I go sour gummy worms, trolley gummy worms, that blue and red gummy worm. Mm, euphoric, euphoric. I really do. I really do love it. Okay. Number three on my top five best candies, cookies and cream Hershey's bar, an underrated classic. It's white chocolate, which obviously isn't actually chocolate because chocolate is cocoa. I know it's a confection. It's not chocolate. Anyway, white chocolate with Oreo pieces inside. Anything cookies and cream, count me in. A cookies and cream milkshake? Sorry, but it, you can't beat that. It's one of the only... My family actually got in this discussion a couple Sundays ago. We were all talking about it. And my brother Taylor had a very bold statement, but I don't disagree he said the only two good flavors of ice cream, classic flavors, we should say, are chocolate chip cookie dough and cookies and cream. I'm not saying like, again, not the designer Jenny's McConnell's ice cream weird flavors, just classic Cold Stone flavors. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't firmly agree, but you know, I could be swayed. Okay, number two. Oh, you guys are going to be so mad at my number one. I, I don't even like that I chose that as my number one, but it's how I feel. But let's talk about number two. Number two is going to the all-time classic, a Kit Kat, which to me is almost, besides my number one, it's the best fun-sized candy. Maybe a Butterfinger. Butterfinger didn't make my top five, but I would maybe put it in my top 10. I love a mini Butterfinger, but I love a mini Kit Kat. Perfect size. Absolutely 
flawless execution with the fun size. Okay, my number one pick for best candy. Again, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that I love these this much. You can collect them and mail them to me if your kids got too many. Actually, I'm kind of hyping it up. It's not that controversial. Midnight Milky Ways, not regular Milky Ways. Regular Milky Ways won't even be in my top 10. They would be in my top 15, maybe top 20. But Midnight Milky Ways to me are the best candy ever invented. They are my favorite. I remember when I was like 12, I had my very first Midnight Milky Way and I thought to myself, this is now my favorite candy. I will never stray from this. And it hasn't changed in like 15 years. I still love it. It's the only candy that I will go to the gas station and purposely purchase and eat like a candy bar of it. I never really do that. Are people doing that? People going to gas stations to get to get candy bars? I feel like candy usually just like shows up somewhere, shows up like in my car or like at an office of some sort. But if I'm at a gas station, I will happily get a Midnight Milky Way. I know what you guys are thinking. No Twix, maybe in my top 10. No Snickers, not in my top 10. Maybe in my top 20. Maybe if it's lucky. Okay, now let's go into my top five least favorite candies. And then I will leave you with my top five favorite Halloween movies. Okay, let's get into the top five worst candies. I guess we shouldn't call these top five worst. We should call them bottom five because these to me are the very, very bottom of the list of any anything. So I guess we're going to go backwards. So I'm going to go the least bad to the very worst. So number one will be the very worst candy, in my opinion. Number five, I am giving to Airheads. Airheads are the worst texture ever. It's like gnawing on a slightly flavored chew toy. I hate Airheads and they're always rock hard. They're supposed to be soft. They're supposed to like mimic taffy. I thought they are bad. Number four, we're getting worse and worse as we go. Just FYI in case you forgot. Number four, just slightly worse than Airheads. Just slightly worse. Red Vines. Red Vines are the bottom of the barrel when it comes to licorice options. I would so much rather have a Twizzlers. Red Vines, number four. Number three is going to the I hope universally hated runts. Runts feel like a punishment. They feel like a federal crime. They don't even feel like candy. They feel like chalk in the shape of fruit, which why is that even considered candy? I've never met anyone whose favorite candy is runts, and I hope to keep it that way. Okay, number two. Again, getting a little controversial here, but I would give the number two spot to a crunch bar. Have you ever noticed that when you open a crunch bar, it's always a little bit dusty, just a little bit because it's old. It's been sitting there for years because nobody likes crunch bars. I almost gave this to a plain Hershey bar, but even that is like several spots above a crunch bar. I hate, hate crunch bars. Okay. The number one worst candy to me, it gives me cold chills just thinking about putting it in my mouth. The number one worst candy in my book is a Whopper. Oh my gosh. A malt ball. A malt ball. It's like chewing on bones. I don't even necessarily know what malt is. I know people can drink it. I know you can put it in a milkshake, but I don't care. I think Whoppers are a crime against the human race. It should worry you more that your kids might get Whoppers in their trick-or-treating bags than the fact that they might get drugs. Actually, they're, they're never going to get drugs. I feel like it's pretty well understood that nobody gives away drugs for free, especially to kids. It would be very very, very pointless. A bag of edibles. You think people are going to go buy like 
75 bags of edibles just to give little kids a weed gummy. No, they're they're 100 percent keeping all of the drugs that they buy for themselves. Okay, let's end with my top five favorite Halloween movies, which I will promptly be binging tonight. Number five is going to Coco. I love Coco. I know it's not technically Halloween. It's Dia de los Muertos, but same season, same night. And uh, I will cry every single time I watch this. It's one of the my favorite Pixar movies. Probably my favorites are between pick or are between Coco, Soul, and Inside Out. All three of those are my favorite. But if we're going Halloween movies, I'm gonna go Coco. Number four, I'm gonna go with really the only scary movie I do enjoy that I like watching around Halloween is Silence of the Lambs. That is, I stand by that. It's one of my favorite movies. I do love it. And I like watching it at Halloween. Again, it is the scariest I can possibly go. And spots one, two, and three are not scary. Also, this one, this ranking number four, it used to be Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed, the live action one with Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. But I thought, you know, I should really up my taste. I should I should display some maturity and put Silence, Silence of the Lambs on there. But just so you know, Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed is definitely number six. Okay, numbers three and two are Halloween Town one and two. Halloween Town is just a notch above, but I do like Halloween Town two, Calabar's Revenge. Let's all be reminded that Marnie and Cal, Calabar's son, they're together in real life. They met on set and they've been together all these years. They just got engaged. It's like all of our decom dreams coming true. And number one, I'm sorry to be basic, but for now, it remains undefeated. The best Halloween movie of all time is Drag Me to Hell. No, I'm just kidding. It's Hocus Pocus. It's Hocus Pocus. Of course. Of course, it's Hocus Pocus. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever be able to beat it. I don't know if there will ever be a movie that comes above that. And also, I know you guys are probably thinking of like Practical Magic, Edward Scissorhands. I've never seen either of those. Never seen either of those. I saw Sleepy Hollow. I'm looking at this list right now. That's why these are all coming to mind. I saw Sleepy Hollow once. Didn't love it. Uh, Carrie, again, that's horror. I don't like it. Jennifer's body, horror, anything horror I don't like, but the other ones I just haven't seen. So there's my official Halloween rankings of things. And uh, what a ride. What a ride the boot broadcast has been this year. Lots of ups and downs. Uh, I hope you'll join me again next week when we get into our regularly scheduled programming. Things will not be scary. I know I don't hear from a lot of you during Halloween because you check out for the scary episodes, which I understand, but I'll be happy to have everybody back next week. Uh, remember to be safe, be kind, be hot, of course, uh, and be extra safe tonight on the holiday. Uh, check your kids' bags for drugs, and if you find any, mail them to me along with the Midnight Milky Ways. I love you so much. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.